0: Welcome to I Wish They Knew, a show where leaders in business and education share big ideas that deserve more attention in about the time it takes to enjoy a cup of coffee. I'm Joe Hirsch. Today's wish comes from Deborah Grayson Regal. Deb is a keynote speaker and consultant who teaches leadership communication for Wharton and Columbia Business School. She's a contributor to Harvard Business Review, the New York Times, Fortune, Forbes, Inc., we could go on. And she's also the author, along with her daughter, Sophie, of a great book called Overcoming Overthinking, 36 Ways to Tame Anxiety for Work, School, and Life. Hey, Deb, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Joe, thanks for having me.
0: So there has been so much talk and so much focus right now on managing stress and anxiety in the workplace and outside the workplace. What do you wish more people knew about managing stress and anxiety and trying to reclaim a healthier version of themselves?
1: Yeah. So if I had one wish, what I wish people knew is that they didn't have to suffer. And I think about that from a couple of perspectives. I think about that from a personal perspective of you actually don't have to suffer if you're struggling with anxiety, burnout, overwhelm, any of those uh, relative synonyms. And if you are the leader in an organization, there are things you can do to create the conditions so that you don't have to suffer and so that other people don't have to suffer as well.
0: So how much of, of this process is driven by the leader, and how much of it is really directed by the individual? I know there's a lot of focus now on what organizations can do to create a system-wide approach to mental health yes. awareness and well-being, but how much of this comes down to the leader? How much of it is is really directed by the person?
1: Yeah, and so let me just say, as much as we are in uh, very difficult times right now between the pandemic, between uh, economic uncertainty, uh, you know, racial tensions, political upheaval, you name it. In my mind, one of the gifts to come from this really difficult time is the fact that we have now openly put stress and anxiety on the table. Right. Yeah. So if you think about if you think about even a year ago before all of this happened, and I realize I'm sort of time stamping today. But if you think about all of this, there was a tremendous amount of stigma. People wouldn't talk about the fact that they were stressed at work. And I think we are a long way from from eliminating stigma. But I think we're on the right path to reducing it. And so the question that you asked is, how much is it on the environment and how much is it on the individual? I don't have an answer for that. I, I, it, We're talking about a system, right? And so in in any system, systems theory tells us that all you have to do is change one part of the system for the system to shift. And that could be the environment. It could be the individual. Uh, it could be a number of things. And so I invite people to experiment with different elements of the system.
0: In the book, you and your daughter identified a few different approaches, uh, specific things that people can do to, to help restore uh, a greater feeling of of balance and happiness in their lives. Talk a little bit about some of the specific uh, behavioral steps or, or mindset shifts that people can make to help get back to a better place.
1: Yes, and if I had to pick any one answer, at least the one that works for me and my daughter Sophie is ice cream. But that being said, <laughs> that may not, that may not be everybody's go-to solution. I don't know why, but uh, that's always the first thing that comes comes to my head. Uh, that being said, on a more serious note, in the book Overcoming Overthinking, we really break it into three sections. So the first section is about changing your mindset. The second is about coming up with some creative strategies, and the third one is about connecting with other people so there's a thinking component there's a behaving component and there's an outreach component all of which together should give you enough things to experiment with in the in the system that you're in so let me just start from a little bit of a of a mindset piece so one of the things that's that's uh, often an aha for people and it certainly was for me as well i didn't know this a priori is that our thoughts drive our feelings and our feelings drive our behaviors, right? And then our behaviors drive our thoughts. And you can intervene any place in that cycle to shift the system. And the place that I suggest that you start is at the beginning with your thoughts. And so our thoughts are are both automatic, right? We have plenty of automatic thinking like, you know, mindsets like this is never going to end. We're not going to recover from this. People that I love are going to die. And once you start to notice some automatic thoughts, you can sort of elbow your way in there a little bit, if you're willing, to Honor the fact that you're having those thoughts. Those thoughts are pointing you towards things that you value, right? So if I'm worried people I love are gonna get sick and die, it reminds me that I value my relationships. I value connection. I value community. So don't judge those thoughts. They're pointing you towards important things, but recognize that once you recognize they're happening automatically, you can choose a new mindset. So it is possible to hold the mindset of, I'm scared that people I love are going to get sick and die and hold the mindset of, this won't be this awful forever. Things will get better. Uh, Or to choose a mindset of, while I've never gone through this setback, I have survived other setbacks and I will again. So changing your thinking doesn't mean denying the thoughts you have. It means recognizing them celebrating them for pointing out what you value and then choosing a new one that can lead to more positive feelings and then more positive behaviors.
0: So honor the thought, don't dismiss it and then almost redirect it and reframe it. For, for Redirect it
1: and reframe it, and and in fact, I was actually just reading an article today about uh, people who have undergone really difficult seatba- setbacks. So people who have been in terrible accidents uh, and have wound up quadriplegic and have gone on with their own lives, and they they showed some neuroscience about what looks different in a resilient brain than a, than a less resilient brain. And one of the things they found was this, this cognitive or positive reappraisal to yeah. be able to reappraise your current situation in a positive way. And that doesn't mean that you deny your current circumstances, your current c- circumstances are true. And there is also another way of looking at it. Yeah.
0: So there's the mindset piece, uh, which is certainly an important first step, but then it has to lead to concrete action. And it has to change.
1: lead to so, concrete uh, action. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, some examples of that would be, uh, you know, as simple as the sounds is go outside, right? Like a simple behavior is go outside. And studies show that even five minutes in nature and I'm a third generation Manhattanite so I don't really know from nature, right? <laughs> right, I, I grew up in, in the most urban city in the world. Concrete much. jungle. Concrete jungle, yeah. but even five minutes in nature dramatically uh, reduces feelings of stress and increases feelings of well-being. So you have to believe that it could work. And I'm often saying to myself, even if it's a placebo effect, a placebo effect is working as well. So to choose to get up off the couch and go outside and spend even five minutes in nature is an example of a concrete behavior of something you can do that has proven well-being benefits or choosing to um, disclose to somebody, right? Which is sort of a bridge between a behavior and a connection, but choosing to disclose to somebody, um, I thought I had it all together and I realized that I'm struggling. That is a behavior as well as choosing somebody uh, to talk to about it. And I will just give a little plug for uh, NAMI, which is the uh, National Alliance for Mental Illness. Yes. And they say that when you are choosing somebody to disclose to, it should they should meet two criteria, which is a really good thing for leaders to think about like how you personally can be the kind of person to meet these two criteria. It should be somebody that you trust because you're disclosing something personal. And in addition to being somebody that you trust, it's somebody with emotional intelligence. So somebody with emotional intelligence is not gonna say to you, it's not that bad, Other people have it worse. You'll pull through. You always do. Those feel supportive. They're actually not emotionally intelligent answers. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's super important to find the right person. And and what are some some of the things that we can do once we have that that trusted partner to to help build connection and ultimately move past some of the negative feelings or experiences that that we have? Yeah.
1: So in terms of connecting with others, uh, you know, what, one of the things that we talk about in our, uh, in our book is be expansive on your definition of others. So we've got an emotional support dog in our house, Nash. Uh, we think one of the most ironic things about her is the way she demonstrates that she's an emotional support dog is that when she sees somebody crying or really upset, she requires you to comfort her, which we think is an interesting approach, yep. but it definitely takes your mind off your own stuff that you're like, <laughs> oh, now I got to tend to this dog. I guess I got to get out of myself. Right. So interesting approach, she's figured it out. Uh, but in terms of uh, really connecting and relying on others, one of, the, one of the strategies that we talk about in the book that I think is, is really new for a lot of people is that help is not one color, right? We think of help as painting with one color brush, and there are so many ways that people can help, and we often don't know what to ask for. So if I were to reach out to somebody for help, whether it was a leader at work, whether it was my husband, whether it was a good friend, I wanna get a little bit fluent in the language of help. So I might, if I just say, you know, I need a little help and support, chances are they either wouldn't know what to do or they would go to their go-to, which is problem solving. Let me see if I can fix this or fix you. But there are other ways we can help. Some examples include, do you just want me to listen without judgment? Do you just want me to be a set of ears? Another way of helping might be, do you want me to ask you some questions to help you think this through? Do you want me to play devil's advocate with you? Are you looking for me to connect you to resources Do you want me to share my own personal experience so that you sort of know you're not alone? And the list is endless. Do you want me just to hear it and then leave you alone to handle it yourself? Really get fluent in the language of helping so that you know what to ask for. And if you are that trusted partner, you know what to offer.
0: Yeah, so it does start with a mindset shift and then some behavioral changes, which can be as simple as getting outside or just mixing up the routine. But yep. most importantly, when it comes to that outreach component, understand that your job as the, as the trusted partner is not to force a change or uh, direct them what to, where to go or what to do, but just to listen and be a resource and, and ask, how can I be? of the most assistance to you at this time.
1: Yes, and I would say that one of the things that I often share with, with managers and HR leaders is you don't have to be the resource, I want you to be the bridge to resources, right? So you are the one that might say, here are some resources that are available because if you are always the resource, it's gonna drain you, that doesn't have to be your role.
0: Yeah, important advice for an important time that we're all facing. Deb, thank you so, so much.
1: Thanks, Joe, for having me.
0: Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please rate and review the show. It helps others find us. For more ideas on how to communicate with impact, visit my website, joehirsch.me. See you next time.